not going to intimidate me. I'm entitled to my opinion. Well, the galactic controversy. What are you passionate about? What do you want? That's your opinion and you're entitled. Oh, shit, let me restart. I'm just still waking up. Leave it in. We're Fuck. all pretty rusty this morning. Oh, damn, dude. <laughs> What's up, Luke? Welcome to Entitled Opinion. What is your most controversial opinion that you are passionate about? Hey, man, thanks for having me. I gotta say, I I don't really have that many controversial opinions. Like, I think I'm it's I'm pretty again so bullshit. Before we started recording, that's so, that is so bullshit. I was okay. just about to dive into it, but what I will say is, uh, you know, I think a lot of the things that I could like defend or I, or I maybe would advocate for are antithetical to like my boss's position on a lot of things, but. If I had to go on the record, most controversial opinion, I got to say, I've always liked the idea that, uh, like, every, you know, we, we just too many drugs are illegal. Like, we're illegalizing too many healthy substances that people could use or even unhealthy substances that people could use. And I'm not a scientist. Like, I wouldn't be able to dive into the, you know, any studies that have been done on what legalizing meth does to a society. But I, I think we can all agree that there's a ton of people in prison for having like a very small amount of an illegal drug and they're staying in there for like two decades and they have a whole family i think we can all agree that that is equally as bad as doing the small amount of math. if we can all yeah. agree is it really a controversial opinion i'm just kidding you don't have to answer that is I it why, why is it why is it controversial for you to have that opinion no, i'm a republican because you're a uh, republican and you work on the hill that's that's exactly why dude that's why it's a controversial opinion because if you're seen like, because if you're not seen as, it's almost seen as like an attack on the police or like saying you don't back the blue or something. If you say you disagree with certain policies. Another one that like, dude, I, I again have no real like expert opinion on, but it could be like qualified immunity. You know, like if I say I don't like qualified immunity for police officers, there's no nuance. You don't, you hate the police at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's qualified black immunity. I might, I might butcher this, but it's basically it, it protects police in instances of like, like, let's say you're walking down the street and a cop pulls out his gun. He, you're holding a you know, candy bar and he shoots you. Uh, he's basically protected from prosecution because he's an officer, because his job has like a certain amount of risk that you take. They're afforded extra protections under the law. Hunter, do you am I wrong there? No, no, no. no it, I mean, it makes sense. I've, I'm not an expert on it either. So okay. how, how did you how did you come to have this opinion? Is this growing up? Because I know you're pretty right and you're Republican on the Hill. So what led you to having this opinion? Yeah, uh, I, w I am pretty right, dude. I'm, I'm right wing on almost every issue there is, almost except for this one. But I think I've always like I might have mentioned it the last time we talked, but my mom and I like I grew up in a single mother household. She was just always asking me questions. She never told me what to think or what to believe. Like, I'd always be tying my shoes at the bottom of the steps about to go to school. And she'd be like, oh, they just legalized pot in D.C. What do you think about that? In like seventh grade. Or she'd be like, oh, what do you think about how do you feel about homosexuality? Like, just really <laughs> random questions. Like, it sounds When are you going to get a girlfriend? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure she had a double edged approach with that question. But uh she was always probing and uh i think that like instinctually just i'd go to school and i'd be like I, I would give her an answer that maybe i wasn't really sure of and that question would make me want to read more about it so 
at first I remember when she asked me like, oh, they legalized pot in DC. What do you think about that? And I was like, that's the worst in our nation's capital. That's awful that they would do something like that. But then I think I thought about the question more over the weekend or whatever in like seventh or eighth grade. And I looked into it and I was like, actually, it doesn't look like this is that bad. And there was no studies on it. And I think just generally that leads into like the older you get, the more you realize that it's a pretty socially normal thing to see your friends smoking pot or even engaging in other recreational drug activities. And you're like, oh, it's not ruining their life. They're regulating. But they could go to prison for this. It just like the disconnect in logic never computed. That's because Republicans can use logic to form opinions. I like to think so. You know, I like to think so. Uh, we'll we'll see in the next election. That'll be the true test of logic. But do you think Trump's so, going to run next election? That, that's the last question. We're jumping right to that. <laughs> yeah, before we, we get like, to that, yeah, very long we're teasing. We're teasing the end here. Before we get into that kind of uh, discourse, for those that haven't listened to the previous episode with you, Luke, could you give a little context of who you are? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, well, last time, well, I'm, my name's Luke Sandlin. I'm uh, 25 years old. I live in D.C. I'm from Virginia Beach. I uh, went to school at University of Florida where I met Al working at a restaurant. My last job before, you know, I work in Congress now. But the job that I met Al previously, right before I worked in Congress, I was a bartender at a restaurant. Uh, so it makes perfect You're sense. You're a server. Make the jump. Yeah, well, you know, I make drinks every <laughs> once in a while. Just because they weren't good doesn't mean I wasn't a bartender. <laughs> you got paid tips, you were bartender. And I want to be clear, they were not good <laughs> drinks. I remember I handed a girl a Long Island iced tea, and I was just like, that is such... I was, like, worried for her. But, yeah, so I met out there and then got an internship up in D.C. Just loved, uh, you know, I was interning in congressional office, Pat Kimak. Uh, who represents University of Florida. Dude, I just loved it. Like, I just remember getting up there and thinking I was going to spend three months in our nation's capital, like running around and going to bars and meeting people and uh, just having a good time. And then I'll go back to school. But man, I just like loved it. Like everybody on the Hill, people ask me a lot, what was the most surprising thing about working on the Hill? Um, everybody's so young. The average age of somebody who leaves the Hill, like once you spent four years there is 27. So Everybody's fairly young, like the age range from maybe 22 to 27, roughly. And then you have, obviously, outliers on, on either end. But um, And then, you know, I worked my way up. I got a job as a staff assistant, which is just like you're basically administrative. If you walk into a congressional office, there's a kid sitting at the front desk. That was me. I think last time we talked, I was uh, the next step up, which is a legislative correspondent. Where now you get a desk in the back office, you're writing all the letters for the member of Congress. So, you know, Hunter, if you mailed in a letter and you're like, what do you think about Israel, Hamas, or right now, like I would be the guy that would write the first draft in my member of Congress's voice. And then I, you know, basically show it to the member of Congress to say, or do you agree with this? Are we cool with it? He'd say yes. And then I'd mail it out to you. Um, so I was the one writing all those basic responses that you get. And then after that, uh, I moved up to a position called legislative aid, where you start to work on certain policy areas. You know, I focused on energy, transportation, agriculture. And now at this point, I'm what's called the legislative assistant, which there's, you know, we're basically the policy team for a full member of Congress. There's no training wheels. And uh, and I think last time, I, I forget who I worked for, maybe a member from New York or Adam Kinzinger. But now I work for uh, this guy named Tom Emmer, who's the majority whip for the Republican Party, so number three. Uh, we've gotten a little more press than usual lately just because he, he you know, got nominated for speaker and then that didn't shake out like everybody else. And then got. well, Trump said something on the social media, right? Yeah, dude. Yeah, he uh, that was fun. 
See, so, I'm completely out of the loop of what all has been happening with y'all for the last couple of months. So oh, cliff dude, note to be very interesting. Up. Well, basically what happened is Kevin McCarthy, obviously this was big news too. In the beginning of the year, it took 15 rounds to confirm Kevin McCarthy is speaker. We couldn't, the house of representatives can't do anything without a speaker. Um, and you know, there's just a small contingent of Republicans that hated Kevin McCarthy. So they voted like, I want to say about a month and a half ago to oust him, basically kick him out of the job, which has never happened in, in U.S. history. A speaker has never been ousted from his position. Uh, but, you know, they did it. So they these crazy sons of bitches did it and kicked him out of the job. And so we had no speaker of the House, which meant all of our work stopped about a month and a half ago. And then we had to find a new guy. So. And, you know, we, and the guy who, who led that charge was was Matt Gates. Yeah, that was Matt Gates. That was his uh, Northwest Oak Florida Steve. representative. So is he is why did they oust him? Why did they oust the Speaker of the House? Yeah, there are a couple of different uh, stories. Like it's really fascinating. So Matt Gates will say that Kevin McCarthy was ousted because he wasn't following a true conservative agenda. Or the thing that you hear most often, I hear from my dad even. Kevin McCarthy didn't, uh, you know, he made promises in January that he was going to do certain things. He was going to release the January 6th tapes. He was going to finish the wall. And it's been almost a year and he hasn't done any of those things. That's what Matt Gates says. Uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy says this fully personal. He says that, uh, you know, Matt Gates has an ethics, uh, you know, investigation happening into him right now for a number of different things that are, you know, federal crimes. Uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy says that, Matt Gates voted to oust him because he wouldn't crush the investigation. And then you have other people in the mix, too. You got like Nancy Mace and Tim Burchett, other members of Congress who voted to oust Kevin McCarthy. They have their own opinions, but really, like nobody has the full, uh, you know, unbridled story. So it's kind of a mystery, but it could be anything. It's so performative. It's like a drama. Yeah, it's a great way to put it. And that's, you know, everybody's throwing stones and. Kevin McCarthy says, okay, Matt Gates just wanted to do this so he could get on TV. You know, he's like the most popular TV member of Congress there is, and that's his line. It really, it's felt like a drama this year, you know, yeah. without much substance, to be honest. Like, that's just, that's not even, like, indicative of anything else. You can look and say, like, we passed 21 bills into law this year. I think that's the lowest amount out of any Congress ever. That have been passed into law. And we were all amped when we got into the majority at the beginning of the year. We were all stoked for this big red wave that never really happened. But we still got the majority. So we were like, we can still pass laws. Uh, and that just hasn't happened yet, basically because of, in my opinion, Matt Gates. But, yeah. you know. Hunter, do you have any stories about Matt Gates? So Matt Gates came from where Hunter and I grew up. I think for a while oh, he no was way. The, the superintendent of we, schools. Yeah, did we talk about this last time? I don't know if we did. So I lived in, I mean, I went to Niceville High School and uh, I lived As in a neighborhood I. and our next door neighbor worked for a law firm. And I think she, well, I know she worked for a guy, I forget his first name, but his last name was Gates. And he was the father of Matt Gates. And she was looking for somebody to drive Matt Gates around because he was running for office uh, around town to hand out flyers, say, hey, vote for me. And so she was like, hey, my next door neighbor has a son who has a grand marquee, which would be perfect for chauffeuring Matt Gates around so we can knock on doors and kiss babies and shit. And so I drove him around in high school and he paid me like 200 bucks when I was 16 to just drive him around fucking Niceville to hand out flyers to vote for him. And uh, 
And I found out later in life that he couldn't drive himself because he had got a DUI before he ran for office. So he needed somebody to drive him around. And so I was I was that guy in like 2008 or something. I do not. I don't think this came up at all. No, I didn't. You, so you worked for Matt Gates. I guess. Matt, Gates Matt Gates has paid me. <laughs> I was. Oh I worked for him underage. Actually, he paid me money Under before the table. I turned eighteen. He paid you cash in hand. Yes, he did. You need to, you need to testify before Congress about I this. I think I, you know. I, I really people. blacked out that memory, certain parts of it, because I just don't want to bring it up. Because he touched you. I'm not saying oh. that. I mean, you know, I blacked it out. I can't remember. <laughs> Sounds like you got a book deal on your hands, my friend. This is at a minimum a news story. Driving Miss Gates. Mr. Gates. Miss Gates. That's crazy. Driving man. Did, Gates. Uh, what was that? What was that experience? Did he ever talk to you about like policy or? I mean, he what, seemed like a normal guy. I was 16 and dumb. I probably don't remember. I don't remember any of the conversation we had. But he seemed normal. I mean, he every time I had a birthday, he would write letters and and say, "Hey, Hunter, happy birthday," or somebody did. I don't know, but. I got that probably till I was 20. And then I think I got too old for him. So he stopped sending me happy birthday cards. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I moved out after that. What's your opinion of him now? I honestly don't follow that much. I just see the news come into my phone and, and he is sometimes there and I see, man, he's really making a ruckus and, you know, causing a bunch of shit in and almost at Hollywood in DC. I mean, for him, it might as well be. No, dude, that's wild. You drove around probably, like, I, there's a real argument. He's the most influential member of Congress right now, and he's done nothing productive. But he's, but damn, he, you're right. He caused a ruckus. I wonder if he remembers me. I'll write I'm him a sure. letter. He's a smart, like, dude, for, for all the bad things you could say about Matt Gaetz, you cannot say he's dumb. That's the case with, like, a lot of, there's a lot of people in Congress, you could look at them and be like, okay. Maybe you're a little, you know, lower on the spectrum, but not like he's definitely... I'm certainly on the spectrum, dude. Oh, no, no. Well, What's interesting about characters like Matt Gates is that it was either him or his father that was the superintendent of Okaloosa County where we went to school. And with Matt coming up, like he's been in a lot of positions for a short amount of time. And so what did he do in any of those positions? besides campaign for that next position it and in it's similar with the campaign um circuit that i guess many politicians go through they're spending so much time on the road or talking about what they're going to do that there's an argument that they don't get as much done as they should but somehow they convince people to just like hurdle them through all these positions until they get to some place of real influence uh, have you seen, Luke, to some degree, the uh, difficulty of having to balance campaigning versus performing? That's an interesting question. I mean, I think you can make the arguments the same thing, you know, like campaigning is performing, right? Is performing that in mean? the sense of acting or performing in the sense of like actually getting something done? It's a good question. So I would say it's two things. Okay, interesting. Uh, acting versus getting things done. So I think it, it depends on like when you're running the first time. And uh, this is coming from a guy who's like the only campaign I've ever worked on is when I was 12 and I knocked on doors. So very little experience. But they always say in D.C., you win re-election based on what you've done in D.C. So, you know, you need a that's why we're always talking about like how important it is to have a good, solid D.C. staff with experience, who you know, what they're doing policy wise. 
because that's what you take home and you campaign on. You say, okay, look, I uh, I questioned uh, Mayorkas on his border policies and on the ending of Title 42. And that's, you know, and these migrants are being shipped up from Texas into my district in New York. That's what I did for you that will have a direct impact. But I think the first time you run, you don't have, you can't say you've done any of that because you've never been in that position. So I'd say the first time you run just out of the gate, like when Hunter, when you're driving around, uh, you know, Mr. Gates, he was acting because he hasn't, maybe he hasn't done anything at that point, but he's, he's acting for the chance to do something. And then you go prove yourself. Uh, but the second time you're, I'd say you're actually advocating for the things you're getting done. And with somebody like Gates, in my opinion, who hasn't gotten anything done, he just acts every time. It's just a performance. It's just like Madison Cawthorn, if you remember him. He was the guy in the wheelchair. Uh, I don't remember yeah, him. Super, a super young guy, uh, ran out of North Carolina. He was like 24. He had a very motivating story. He's a Republican. He was in a car accident. He's paralyzed from the waist down. But, you know, he came to Capitol. He got elected uh, just about four years ago, and he got ousted. He lost re-election last year. But he, when he came to D.C., he didn't hire a good staff. He hired a really uh, piss-poor staff who he said, we're just going to focus on communications, no legislation which is not, and he obviously lost re-election, is because that's not what we elected you to do. Yeah, he didn't get anything done. Well, how the hell has Matt stayed in if, if he hasn't gotten any of the things done that he's, has he gotten anything done that he said he would get done? I wish I knew more about this. I didn't know we'd be touching on Matt Gates here. No, you're, no, you're totally fine. I didn't, know we, I didn't know we would be either. And I have friends who work in Matt's office, you know, and like super nice guys. We work out together. They're awesome. They're all good people. Um, Are they younger than 18? <laughs> Just kidding. They are pretty young. Some of those guys are pretty young. I'm not going to lie. Uh, they're working age, though. They're boyish figures. Pretty clear. <laughs> they're working. They're 16. And, you know, one, uh, literally, the one thing I've seen Matt Gates do uh, in his district, do you, you don't still live around there, do you? No, I live in, I live in Cleveland. I live in a pretty okay, blue Trump. area now. Victoria Code. Uh, Cleveland. 216, baby. Hey, 216. So... The one thing that I've seen him do, there's like a sandbar out where by you used to live. I forget what yeah, it's called. Crab like, Island. Yeah. Crab Island. So he, uh, the federal government was actually trying to go into Crab Island and like regulate, like put OSHA enforcement measures there or oh, so, that's, something. That's gay. Don't do that. Incredible. And Matt Gates is the one thing I've seen him do that actually passed. He said he prohibited funding from a big bill to go towards any OSHA enforcement measures on Crab Island, <laughs> which I thought, I, I, dude, I see that. I'm like, you know, everything action. else, if he, any underage relationships, you know, I'll look past that just because he did that. For he Crab maintained Island. Crab Island. <laughs> Crab know, Island's a special place, that's for sure. Don't fucking touch Ethics, Crab Island. The Ethics Committee is going to do its thing with all that stuff. But I got like, that is actually like the kind of thing that I'd love to see. From like the federal government, federal representatives, like that's to me, that's like legitimately what you're supposed to do. Like you're supposed to go up there and as a Republican, stop the federal government from regulating shit like Crab Island, which is like a floating sandbar bar. Just let it yeah. happen. Like, They're taking our fun away. So if I ever see him again, I'd say, hey, man, nice job on Crab Island. Fuck you, but thanks for that. And you will know. And that's like. Dude, that's that's what it is for me. Like I always said, if I, I would never, I don't think I would ever run for anything. But like the one thing I would love to see for my representative back home in Virginia Beach is like, dude, I know where the potholes are in my hometown. I just want you to fill in the potholes. That's what I want from my representative. Like I don't want to see you on TV nine nine days out of ten. 
just fix the potholes, dude. Okay, so so you say he's like he's more fluff than stuff, and I just made that up that term. That is great. It's perfect. More fluff than stuff. More fluff than stuff. Absolutely. Okay, so but that's did, like everybody. So I know you have, you have to leave in like ten minutes. So did you? So did you finish the events that happened in October? So the the speaker for the house, you know, no, was so, ousted. Dude, that's a it's such a crazy story. Uh, so the speaker of the house gets ousted, and like nobody. And you can already, even before the vote, nobody, like, this is the one thing, usually every vote that we take in the House on a bill, we, it's actually my boss's job is the whip. You use something called the whip count. So you find out exactly where everybody's going to vote and you have a tally. So you know where a bill's going to land before it's even put up for a vote. That way, if you, like, if I have a priority as a Republican member of Congress and uh, and I have a bill that I really like, but I know that it's going to fail on the floor, I can pull it. So that way I don't get embarrassed by saying like, oh, my bill's going to be passed today. And then, you know, I put out a press release and then it fails. And that's like, that's just embarrassing from a human level. So we had no idea where the vote was going to land. Ultimately, he lost. And then, dude, right away, people are going for the job because it's the number one job. Dude, it's I think it's third in line for the presidency. And so and there were people on the House floor who voted for Kevin McCarthy to stay. And they're giving their speeches and you can and these are the the people who were up there giving their speeches for Kevin McCarthy were the first ones to jump in the race for his job when he was ousted. So wow. right off the bat, it's Steve Scalise, and Jim Jordan and Steve Scalise is number two. He's right above my boss in the hierarchy of the House. And Jim Jordan, obviously chairman of the Judiciary Committee. And like he has a good brand already from just being like a right wing firebrand. So they immediately jump in the race. And um, Tom, my boss, did not want to. As far as I know, I never talked to him personally about it, but he did not want the job. Dude, it's a awful, it's the worst job in America. Like it's why is that? This is where the party is right now. Like where the Republican Party is right now is so fractured. You know, you have uh like basically the moderates who, you know, say who agree that the twenty twenty election was totally it was fine, it was not stolen. Uh, you know, they're these are the guys that are voting in favor of same sex marriage because it's twenty twenty three. And then you have this splinter faction of like maybe 50 Republicans at this point. Two years ago, it was 20. Now it's 50. And who knows what it's going to be in two more years. But 50, these are 50 the, of how many? 50 of 222, 223. Okay. Uh, who, and these are the people, these are like the new, what you would call the new right wing, who, you know, are saying like, uh, America first, stop sending money to Ukraine, stop, don't send any money to Israel, uh, you know, marriage between a man and a woman. They're just hitting all the talking points that got people fired up. So we have this schism in the Republican Party now that basically was already there at the beginning of the year, which is why it took Kevin McCarthy 15 rounds to be elected. So when he was ousted uh, last month in October, those two schisms like completely went to war. And the moderates backed Steve Scalise and Firebrands backed Jim Jordan. Uh, and then, of course, Steve Scalise got knifed. So he they had an internal, like a secret ballot vote. Where you just, you know, you get all 223 Republicans in a room and you write down on a piece of paper, I, I'm guessing, or something like that, who you want to be speaker. And then there's majority pick, take that guy to the floor. He's the new speaker. Steve Scalise won that vote. And then literally, like he won the majority vote in conference. And then like a bunch of kids, dude, I think he won. It was like the tally was 112 to 90 something. It was decently close, but it wasn't that close. Basically, all the gym, so Steve Scalise comes out, they have a press conference. He's like, I'm going to be the next guy. And then those 50 Republicans get up and they're like, we lost, but there's no way we're voting for you on the floor. Like, we're just going to, 
We're, there's no. So they're way. bombing it basically. They're yeah. they're bombing it in favor of a Democrat. Democratic is that how that works? A Democratic Speaker of the House. So it could have it could have gone that way, but no, they just wanted Jim Jordan. So they're basically saying like, if you go to the floor, we're never going to vote for you, and we'll just repeat what we did back in January, where you just you go for up for a vote every other day and you just keep losing and losing and losing and losing. That's what they're, they're just threatening to waste everybody's time. Like ad nauseum, you know, and risk a democratic speaker. Cause all it takes is just the simple majority to right. and Democrats vote in a block every time, dude, they're so organized. Like you'll hear the most right wing, right wing people be like, it's, it's impressive how organized they are. So, uh, there was a risk of a democratic speaker, but, so how would that, that would have to happen if a Republican uh, representative was voted out in favor of a Democratic representative by in one of the elections? Is that how that works? I'm really yeah, so dumb when it comes to this stuff. No, no, you're totally – two years ago, I would have I been so confused, so no worries. But, like, let's say, let's say Republicans pick Steve Scalise, and then we go to a floor vote. You have 211 votes for Hakeem Jeffries, which would have been the Democrats' guy. And then if, you know, Steve Scalise got like 150 and Jim Jordan got like another 50, like King Jeffries would have been the speaker. So it oh, was so close. they So we don't have to lose, or Republicans don't have to lose representatives. They just have to splinter the vote. Exactly. Which was gotcha. a rent. That's why we didn't want to take it to the floor or why I'm guessing they didn't want to take Steve Scalise to the floor. So Steve Scalise pulls out. He's like, this is stupid. You're all being childish. I'm done. I don't even gotcha. want this job. Okay. Then these 50 firebrands get Jim Jordan in. Uh, and then finally, like maybe I know it's a lot of factions. So follow with me. I should I should have like a fucking whiteboard. Give right us a cheat sheet. <laughs> I know. Right. And then they took Jim Jordan to the floor next because he was just up next. Uh, and basically there was like another little revolt where all the moderates were like, no, you tanked our guy. We're going to tank your guy. And so it was essentially a murder suicide. Like it was the most insane thing to watch play out in real time between these two high level Republicans when we're trying to govern and they're having like a food fight. Uh, and then they had another internal basically Jim Jordan and Steve Glaze were just a wash. They were like, they're both non-starters at this point. They're tainted. Uh, and then they had another vote, dude. And then they literally, they nominated my boss, Tom, uh, who again is the whip. And, um, you know, Tom's big thing as a guy and as a as a boss is that he will not lie to you. Like, that was what he ran on. He was like, I'm not going to, like, sure, Kevin McCarthy maybe made promises. Steve Scalise, Jim Jordan, they all made promises. I'm never going to lie to you. I thought he was a great candidate. I'm probably biased. And then and that's, yeah, that's Tom Emmer. That's your who you work for. Yeah, Tom Tom Emmer out of Minnesota. Um, yeah, he's been in politics not too long, actually. Like, on the federal level, he got elected back in 2015. So I would actually say it's not, that's not. A very long tenure versus Kevin McCarthy's twenty, you know. Uh, yeah, you could still make the case he's a newbie, but yeah. And then Donald Trump came out of nowhere, and four hours, literally four. We won the nomination, and then four hours later, Donald Trump tweets on Truth Social that Tom Emmer is a globalist rhino. Uh, which you know, a rhino. First of all, what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. First of all, what does that mean? And second of all, why? <laughs> yeah. yeah. How, how does he have so much influence? That's drives me that's, yeah, it's, that's that's a good question i'll jump into that if you'd like but uh, rhinos r-i-n-o stands for republican in name only um <laughs> you know my last boss posers. Was Adam yeah exactly yeah posers dude like losers not a real republican if you voted for gay marriage which is like the most republican vote you can take but that's an aside 
because the federal government shouldn't be involved in your fucking marriages. But uh, so, yeah. So and Tom, by the way, for those who don't know, is so right wing. Like, dude, he actually in the state legislature of Minnesota, he advocated for a law that like it would make everyone in Minnesota a sovereign citizen exempt from federal policies. Like that's how it would in this guy. Is. Like he advocated for lower drunk driving regulations. You know, oh, fuck yeah, dude. Like he's a Republican dude. He does not want the government in your shit. And so, and the the main argument that Trump had was this is the big problem. Like this is the make or break with Donald Trump. Do you think the 2020 election was stolen? And if you if you don't think it was stolen, you're a right. You're not a Republican. You're you're simply not. It does not matter what you believe, how long you've been in the party, what vote you've taken. You're a fake Republican, which is so funny coming from Trump, who was like a Democrat for his whole life. Right. And now he's the arbiter of who's a real Republican. Uh, and yeah, dude, I mean, as far as that, that's the tale, basically, on, on the speaker race. And there are more details. And I'm sure there are people who were in the rooms that I weren't in that, you know, might even dispute the, the even the general takes that I have. But as far as I know, that's what happened. And. Now we have uh, Mike Johnson, who but Trump, who's like, should be know. fucking inundated like, and super busy with all this yeah, bullshit yeah. that's going on. He's, trying to, he's, he's still got enough time to do a sneaky, unsubstantiated tweet. <laughs> Dude, yeah, you would think you would think that he's like clearly busy, but uh, but he doesn't know, dude. Like he doesn't actually know what's going on. He just has no. three crazy people around him who like feed him information, and they just tweets on that, like. That that's all. He's just an agent of chaos. Yeah, and uh, you know it's funny. He said because he endorsed Jim Jordan for speaker, and then when Jordan pulled out, he tweeted on Truth Social. He was like, "I'm not going to get involved in the speaker thing anymore. You guys do your thing." And then the next time we pick a speaker, he just freaks out. But I don't know, dude. Honestly, like why he has so much. I don't know why he has so much pull at this point because everybody he endorses loses, and he loses elections. So, but there's, it's a cult. That's what, it's a cult. Yeah, there's something to be said about how we project our fantasies and our desires on somebody and how someone, an individual can become a conduit for, for baseless hopes and dreams. Like I can remember when Trump was campaigning, somebody said something to him while he's up on stage, while he's talking about the wall and he goes, guess what? The wall just got 10 feet higher and the crowd goes crazy. It's like there's there's these it's just there's no substance to anything. I'm gonna come. It's all it's all just word masturbation. Yeah, this is it. I need a high wall, man. Like, okay, why don't you build four around yourself right now? <laughs> you love them so much. Just box yourself in. No immigrants will come near you, bro. And by the way, we need immigrants. Like we who do you think literally it sounds basic, but really, who's working the farms? You know, like I was in North Dakota. Maybe uh, uh, probably about a month ago, uh, about two months now, actually, they were doing a big sugar beet harvest, which, you know, it's just, there's like a, an 11 week period out of the year where you can harvest your sugar beets after growing for the full year. And, and it's a big time and it's like the busiest production time for those guys in North Dakota. And that's their cash crop is sugar beets. Uh, dude, they are like the most pro-immigrant farmers and they're North Dakota. Like you would think that these are the guys who are characterized and, and uh, I'm sorry, I meant to say characterized. Is that a word? Car caricature. Caricaturized. Yeah. You would think that, like, okay, North Dakota farmer, you have an idea what that is in your head. 
Meanwhile, these guys are like accountants, business owners, and so pro-immigration because they know that nobody else. I was there like with a suit and tie on, and they were like, if you want to come back next August and drive a truck, you can live with us and we'll pay you money. But you got to like, lose that fucking tie. Yeah, yeah. And then they were like, you actually have to work in a full suit just as penance for what you do in D.C. <laughs> Hell yeah. Dude, it's so, yeah, I don't know why he has so much influence. And, so it's crazy. I know you said you had to leave now. I wanted to ask you, who do you think will be the likely nominees for the 2024 election for the Republicans? Oh, dude. Um, good question. Let me let me pull up who's left because people are dropping. 2024 Republican nominees. 99 Republicans up on the wall, up on the hill. Yeah, yeah. Tim Scott just dropped. So who do we got? We got, you know, I'm going Doug Burgum. That's my Doug Burgum, baby. Doug Burgum. I have no idea who that is. Burgum. No, I'm just kidding. That's my, that's my dark horse. Um, Governor of North Dakota. Yeah, and nobody knows who he is, and it's insane. Tim Scott dropped out before him, so you know I hate. I think Ramaswamy's an idiot, so I hope not. I mean, but this is, the question wasn't about like my hopes and dreams; it was about what I think logically. I mean, logically, it'll probably be Trump. I would like to see it be DeSantis, but it would probably be Trump. So really, so really, Trump and DeSantis. And how do you say that guy's yeah. name? Ramaswamy. Is that his Ramaswamy. name? Ramaswamy. Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah, I could be getting a lot of popularity. I think Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah, I see. Yes, yeah. I think the nominee will be Trump. I would like to see I would like to see it be DeSantis because I think he was just a great governor, but he just dude, he has no charisma. Like I remember when I first moved to Florida in like right after I graduated from high school and took two years off. So it was probably like twenty eighteen he was campaigning for governor before anybody knew who he was. And I went to go see him speak and I was like, that guy sucks at this like i'm gonna i'm gonna vote for him but i remember thinking even as a kid i was like he's not good at this so it was inter- it's interesting seeing him run for president but probably trump uh, Haley would be a, an awesome pick dude you know because she's got so much experience and she knows how things work but and i i did i i'm legitimately worried so doug doug Burgum is your hopeful it's my dark horse and you think you're dark horse and you think it's going to be donald and desantis just because yeah. I got so much clout. Yeah, yeah, for for sure. You know, Christie's just like taking pot shots and Okay. So it's gonna be Trump slash DeSantis versus Biden in twenty twenty four. Oh, I don't I don't think DeSantis would be his vice president though. Well, I mean I think one of them, one of the two. Trump or DeSantis versus Biden. Versus Biden or Hillary dude, Clinton. Are, are, yeah, yeah, for sure. Dude. She's making a comeback. No, <laughs> she's she's a Republican now because she thinks Israel's right. So it's so fun to see like the parties eat their own. But uh, it's also very interesting that like I guess the far right and the far left are have some like overlapping views. Yeah, now it's a full circle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're reaching, yeah, would... they're reaching so far that they're like holding hands now. Here's what I would say is that. To me, that is evidence that a two-party system is not sufficiently representative of our diverse population. So I have a strong opinion that there should be more than two political parties or no parties at all. How would you? you, know, you know, I'm hearing, well, maybe I'm maybe we're gonna have to ask you about that another time. I'm hearing yeah. an entitled opinion RFK endorsement right now. Is that what I'm hearing? RFK endorsement? Yeah. Is that, I mean, who, who, who's I'll, the I'll endorse him if he doesn't run Republican oh, or Democrat. I would I would endorse just, anybody not, who's not rep- running. The two parties, dude. You got that's him. He just announced he he was gonna do. He was running Democrat, but uh, DNC yeah, yeah. is legitimately one of the most corrupt. You could actually make a case to send a lot of those people to prison. Uh, so he's running as an independent. So and yeah. you know what? I, yeah, if he's running independent, he's, he's RFK potentially has my vote. Candidate. 
For sure. I like his, sure. his stance. If there was a vote today and like the ages to vote were just 18 to 34, he would win. Like it's kind of nuts, actually. He outperforms uh, Trump and Biden in the 18 to 34 demographic, like pretty significantly. I so. think you're right. I think it's going to be up on the stages again, like a, a yearish from now. It's going to be Biden and Trump. And Biden's not like he's going to just be holding on to the fucking pedestal for dear life and <laughs> trump's just going to be saying mean thing after mean thing it would be funny as fuck let's be clear it would be it's hilarious so depressing that that's the state of yeah. like our national politics you know, i thought it was i thought it was going to go third party in 26 and 2020 because of how shitty things had gotten but it wasn't close it wasn't close yeah. I mean, things are worse now yeah. like things are worse now like we now have two wars i saw a headline the other day that's so perfect it was like no world war, but a world at war. Oh, fun! I, I was like, "Damn, that give that guy a raise." Luke Sandlin, world at war, baby. World at war, not us though. I think that's gonna be the title for the episode. <laughs> Dude, talk about clickbait! You gotta get them views. Matt somehow, Gates man. and Donald Trump, world at war, with Luke yeah, Sandlin. Every buzzword we use here: <laughs> yeah. North Dakota, firebrand, driver, boyish finger. No, dude, I, I appreciate you guys. It's always a blast, man. So I can't wait. Uh, you know, like last time we did this, I was like two positions lower. So who knows? Maybe next time we do it, I'll, I'll be like the next step for me would be a legislative director. So you'll be a I'm senator next. Up. Yeah, you're going to yeah, be a chronicling uh, of Virginia power. House of Representative. From just employee to straight up representative. And what better representative than somebody who spent all their life in D.C. like me? I really know the people, you know. Luke Sandlin for president. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, man. That's it, folks. Thank you.